want to want to kind of jump into um, you know this word that you see up here, the anchor, and maybe you noticed you know the banners or the shirts that the youth team was wearing. By the way, didn't the youth band do so great? I'm so proud of them. It's awesome. So cool. And we're going to get into that in a minute, but I, I will say, as of next week, um, we'll have been here for five years, which is so cool. And I want to say, this is an amazing town. Like, some of you were born and raised here, and I overhear things from some of our upperclassmen teenagers on a Wednesday night that they can't wait to get out of this town, you know, type of thing. But I'm like, man, this place is awesome. It's so cool to be this close to the water. Every time I go over the causeway and I see boats boats. That's amazing. I was born and raised in Tennessee, landlocked. This is very cool, okay? And so every time I go over the causeway or I look out and I see a sailboat, I just have this like feeling of adventure, you know? I'm like, man, I want to sail. I really do. And so I looked into this fascination a little over a year ago, um, and you know, just what would it take for for me to be a sailor man? Um, And I was um, kind of taken aback that you actually have to have a license to operate a boat around here? I don't know. Any licensed boaters out here? So all of you who own boats are unlicensed. Illegal operation of a boat. Okay, great. Well then, all that to say, I looked into it, um, and I was, because I was really interested in this, and um, apparently there's an online boaters course that you can take. It's free, and if you pass, then you pay for the license. Sounds like a good deal. Um, So I jumped on there, and I realized, like, there's a lot of information when it comes to boating, especially sailboats. Like, I always thought, you know, you just get on the sailboat, and, you know, you open up the sail, you pull on some ropes, and you're sailing, man. But there's, there's a lot to sailing. Anyone who actually sailed? Anyone? Okay. So those who raised their hands and didn't raise their hands for the license, you are breaking the law. <laughs> Anyways, so I looked into this, and I was like, man, this is a lot of information and uh, needless to say, I've still not completed the online boater course that I started over a year ago, but um, I'm still interested in it. Uh, now, with this interest, with this fascination, have I ever been on an actual sailboat? No, I have not. And here's a fun fact. I've never actually been out on the ocean on a boat. I've been on lakes, been in the river here, but I've never been out on a boat in the ocean. Now, some of you, like I said, born and raised here, you go deep sea fishing when you're bored, right? I mean, so that's, that's pretty incredible, uh, and, and I envy that. Hey, Pastor Appreciation Month, just, you know, hey, invite a brother, right? <laughs> but for real, it's awesome that we live in a place like this. And so as I looked through this boating course and um, looked at all the information, One thing that stood out that was interesting to me is section two of this boating license course is all about anchors. And up to this point, I'm thinking, you know, when I think of an anchor, I think of Popeye the Sailor Man with his awesome oversized forearms, you know, and the incredibly detailed single-line anchor tattoos that he has. Or I think of the overly hipster image that is so cool today because anchors are cool, right? I think they're cool, whatever. They're cool. And... I was like, wow, there's a whole section on anchors in this boating course. And come to find out, there's seven pages of information on this boating course. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of information because it depends on the type of vessel. You know, you have to have certain types of anchors, and you have to know how to tie them and have some swing room based on down current. And, you know, see, I did read some of it, right? But one thing that's true of anchors is an anchor is anything 
that holds something in place, something that is dependable regardless of conditions around it. So we're going to dive into God's word in a moment. Before we do, let's check out this video. The anchor became a key Christian symbol during the period of Roman persecution. And it actually remained a key Christian symbol until almost 400 A.D. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, both firm and secure. And here we want our students to know that they do have hope. And his name is Jesus. And he's firm and secure even during life storms. So we've chosen after five years of being Keep the Lights On to rebrand and relaunch as the anchor at Coastline. And we are so excited about this new season that we are in. Yeah. So it's very exciting. Like the video said, you know, we we started Keep the Lights On when we moved here almost five years ago. And uh, it's been incredible. It's exciting what God has done. And we celebrate that. But there's something special about change, too. And uh, th- we think it brings an excitement, a freshness. And uh, so be praying for us as we launch into this new phase of student ministry as the anchor. Uh, we're really, really excited about what all that represents. So two things to, to take from that video in case you missed it. First, did you see my beard? I think I should bring it back. No Shave November right around the corner. Uh, more importantly, number two, um, we are no longer keep the lights on. So I just want to make sure everyone's aware of that. Uh, I'm still having issues with this, um, not only in my heart, but no, it, it, Keep the Lights On is very dear to me, but even, I even got up to preach last Wednesday here, and I said, hey, welcome to Keep the Lights On, and then I was like, oh wait, we're not that anymore. So it'll take some getting used to, but it's exciting, yeah? So for those of you who have been raised in church, or maybe you are aware of certain um, scripture, uh, maybe this passage in Hebrews 6 is, is not news to you uh, when we look at the anchor and its hope. Um, but my, my prayer is that regardless of if you're a, aware of this passage or you know it by heart or you've never heard it before, that you would just be encouraged by the power of the Holy Spirit today as we realize that we do have hope and his name is Jesus. Amen? So let's look at Hebrews 6, starting in verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the last part's really awesome, but we're not going to get into that part today. We're going to focus on this first part of how we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Now, as I was studying this and looking at this, I was looking at different Bible commentary, and Ellicott's Bible commentary puts it this way, both sure and steadfast, These words and the following may indeed form part of the figure, but more probably relate to the hope itself, a hope unfailing, firm, which entereth where no human sight can follow, even into the most holy place, into heaven itself. The hope then becomes personified that the reader's thought may be led to him who is himself our hope, Jesus. That's strong, isn't it? I just think that's awesome. Jesus is our hope. So when I read something like that, First reaction is, awesome! We have hope! It's an anchor! It's firm and sure and steadfast and all that great stuff that sounds strong, and we can put our hope in that and faith in that. But then I think, man, when a storm rages in my life, when things get tough, when life situations unfold, and I'm right in the middle of it, the last thing I want to do is drop anchor and just stay there. 
right? No one else with me? Listen, I don't know about you, but when things get tough, my knee-jerk reaction is, God, get me out of here, right? All right, come on, you got to work with me. It's, ele- it's 12.05. See, I thought it was 11. It's not even morning anymore, okay? Man, God, get me out of here. Things are getting tough. The storm is raging. I don't want to drop anchor. I don't want to hold on. I want to get out. And a lot of times, we don't like thinking of Jesus as our anchor. We would rather think of him as our teleportation device, right? A holy helicopter that will swoop in at a moment's notice and deliver you from the storm. God, get me out of here, please. Now, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a moment, but yeah, can, can he calm the storms and bring peace? Absolutely. But it's important for us to know that we do have a hope, but it's an anchor. And sometimes we've got to drop anchor and just hold on, knowing that he is with us, and we can put our hope and trust and faith in him through the storm. Amen? We can. He's sure and he's steadfast. He's firm and secure. Something I've realized is, This world needs to see Christ followers who aren't afraid to stand their ground, right? No more wimpy Christians is what I'm trying to say here. Not afraid when things get tough. Now, fear can be our initial reaction, and we'll read again about that in a moment, how the disciples looked at a storm, but but man, we do have hope. He's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, amen? So when the storm rages on, When things get tough, we know that we can be firmly anchored to the truth. We can keep hope alive. Like a lot of times, as Christians, it's easy for us to look at the storm and kind of let hope fly out the window, right? Like, for instance, oh, this marriage is over. Or, oh, I got that bad report from the doctor. Or, oh, man, this situation, it's hopeless, But we have to realize that there is actually not one hopeless situation because hope is Jesus. Amen? So if he's with you, there is hope. There is not one hopeless situation. So we've got to then turn our focus on he who is hope, Jesus Christ, and get our eyes off the wind and the waves and the lightning and all the other stuff that initially brings fear in our hearts and in our lives. Right? Now, Am I making light of, you know, life situations and things that you guys are facing? Absolutely not. But it is very important for us to encourage ourselves and, and allow God's word to speak to our hearts and let us realize, wow, we do have hope. Even when it looks like all hope is lost, even when it looks like there's no way out, Jesus makes a way because he is our hope. Amen? So hold on. You have hope. Everyone say, I have hope. Hope makes you a believer, a believer for better things ahead. There's uh, certain verses, um, especially in the New Testament, that I believe are like staple verses. Like this is, you know, wow, there's like a list of verses, and that's the one. You know, John 3.16, for instance, a staple verse. And I look at this one this way, and it it means so much to me. It's a powerful verse, and it's in Romans 5. We're going to look at it, and, and I pray that as I read this and as you read it, would it just sink deep into your heart and allow hope to rise. Maybe you've felt hopeless for quite some time now. Allow the power of God's word to to bring that spark in your heart and let hope rise today. Amen? So I chose the amplified version because it goes 
above and beyond trying to make sure that you are understanding everything that is said. So it uses, you know, different um, synonyms and different adjectives, and it's really cool. And so we're going to read this together. And again, this may it come alive to you. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God, through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Through Him also we have our access, entrance, introduction, by faith into this grace, the state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce the patient and unswerving endurance. More, and endurance fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith, and tried integrity. The character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isn't that awesome? Does that encourage you? Man, come on. If you're going to clap, let's put our hands together for Jesus. It's powerful. That's his promise to us. That's his word. May it be real to you today. Let hope rise regardless of your situation. Do not lose hope. Everyone say, I have hope. So back to Hebrews six nineteen. the first part of that says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I was studying some more commentary, and then I realized um, when I came across this piece of commentary, it was, it was so awesome. It's something that we often don't think of, and it's so true. We're going to talk about ships again. The ship that is kept by an anchor, although safe, is not at ease. It does not, on the one hand, dread destruction, but neither, on the other hand, does it always enjoy rest. But further, the ship that is held by an anchor is not only tossed in the tempest like other ships. It is actually tossed more than other ships. The ship that rides at anchor experiences rackings and heavings that ships which drift with the tide do not know. So souls who have no hold of Christ seem to lie softer on the surface of a heaving world than souls that are anchored in his power and love. That's strong, isn't it? Guys, think about it. Life, you know, stuff happens. Winds and waves rage and things get tough. And what the world does is just go with the flow, right? Just drift wherever the current may take you. And if things get tough, then walk out, leave, give up. But here we see that if you truly have hope as an anchor, Jesus, that means that, you know what, if you anchor down in the middle of that storm, you may actually experience a little bit more intensity than somebody who's just going with the flow. But isn't that so like the kingdom of God? It, it always goes against the flow. It goes against the grain. And so be encouraged. If you find yourself in the middle of a storm, but you know that you've not lost hope and you're focused on Jesus as much as you possibly can, then be encouraged. He, he's in the boat with you. Isn't that awesome? He's with you. So speaking of storms and, and tempests, 
there's an incredible storm story in Matthew 8 um, of a storm that the disciples face. And to set up the story, Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling all over, and people are experiencing the love of Jesus. They're getting healed. They're getting set free. Jesus is casting out demons and healing people and, and just showing love. And it, it's amazing. So all this is happening. And it says everywhere Jesus goes, there's multitudes. And one thing I love uh, talking about for a moment is when we read the word multitudes, um, it, it's easy to just say, okay, a large number of people. Like this is, you know, it's a large number of people in this room. But if you look at certain passages, multitude actually translates to thousands. So to put it into perspective, it'd be like all of Satellite High School crammed around Jesus, <laughs> okay? Thousands of people, all right? So it's amazing. Everywhere Jesus went, multitudes, healing, setting people free, showing love. And he then gives the command to the disciples, hey, let's get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. We're going to go to another town. And so you may be thinking right now, okay, I've heard this one. Jesus calms the wind and the waves, brings peace to the stormy situation. So I know where this is going. But one neat thing to me is if you go back a few verses before all of that, let's look at what Jesus actually says here in Matthew 8, 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, this is an interesting verse to me because Jesus, who is God, right? Okay, so Doug believes Jesus is God. Am I in the right church? Jesus who is God, thus knows everything, yeah? How crazy is it that surely he knew there was a storm unfolding on the lake, and yet he looks at his followers and says, hey, get in the boat, we're going across the lake to the other side. So really the disciples unknowingly followed Jesus into a storm. That's, that's pretty wild, right? I love Jesus. He's so unpredictable. <laughs> it's so cool. But here's the cool thing, too, is at the end of that, he says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He doesn't say, get in the boat. We're going to experience a storm. You're going to get tossed around. You're going to get really freaked out. And I'll be asleep in the boat. <laughs> and, you know, but no, he says, we're going to make it to the other side. In other words, he's saying, listen, storms may come, but that's not what's important. You're going to make it all the way to the other side, because I'm in the boat with you. Amen? So the story picks up in verse 23. It says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> what gives, Jesus? This is funny for a couple of reasons. It's funny because... He, surely he knew that there was a storm. Surely he knew that disciples would be freaked out, but he chose then to take a nap. And then, furthermore, he's sleeping in the middle of a fierce storm on a boat with waves crashing over the sides. How is he sleeping? <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome, right? He's going to kick back and just relax. And shh, it's craziness. And the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm, and the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. This is an incredible story for a lot of reasons. First, it's, it's awesome how Jesus responds here. 
why, why are you afraid? Like, did, did you forget who I am? Did you forget that just earlier today, you witnessed me working miracles, changing lives, setting people free, and you've experienced me personally. And here I am in the boat with you, and all of a sudden, you see some waves and see some lightning, and you're scared? Why are you so afraid? And then I love how the disciples respond. They're amazed. Who is this man? They've been walking with him for a while now, and they've seen him do some pretty incredible things, and yet this, who's this guy? You know, it's just, it's cool. So I love that, that Jesus is like, you know what? Hey, I was, I was taking a nap here. I was getting some rest. You guys, a bunch of chickens had to come in here and wake me up, so let me handle this real quick. Spoke peace and calm over the storm. So the disciples, in essence, were crying, help. Help! Everyone say, help! I have a three-year-old, and anytime I hear him cry, help, I'm going to come running. Right? And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in the other room, and I hear him say, help, dad, help! There's a desperation in his voice, you know? So I come running, you know, I'm thinking maybe he's, you know, hanging off of the coffee table about to hit his head or, you know, he's hurt himself out in the yard or something. I run in and he has a stack of building blocks and it's like wobbling back and forth. And he's like, help! Dad, help! You know? <laughs> and I run in, you know, just, oh, okay, well, glad, just, glad everything's okay, but let's, and he goes, Dad, you do the last block. I'm like, great. You know, the pressure's on. It's already doing this. And he's just watching me like, Dad can do anything. And the whole thing just falls over, and it crushed his confidence in me, probably. But we worked through that. It's okay. But help! Did you know that the most powerful prayer anybody could ever pray isn't one that's full of eloquent words and Christian terms? The most powerful prayer anyone could ever pray is help! Amen? All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And here we have the disciples. Yes, it was initially because of fear. Yes, they forgot that Jesus was in the boat with them. But they said, help. And Jesus took care of the situation. And just like any good dad would rush in when their kid cries, help. You better believe that your father God is right there with you. Amen? He's with you in the storm. Help. Wow, so don't lose hope. Everyone say, I have hope. God is in control when you don't see him. And let's look at this next part on the screen. As a matter of fact, God is in control even when what you see isn't what he said. Now let's look at what this means for a moment. Let's look at it again. God is in control even when what you see isn't what he said. Now, here's an example. Jesus, in Matthew 8, 18, looks at his disciples and says, Hey, get in the boat. We're going to go over to the other side. The disciples find themselves being tossed around in a fierce storm in the middle of the lake. Jesus, this is not what you said. You said we were just going across. You didn't say anything about all this. Right? But just because things get bad or worse even, when you know you have a promise from God, it does not diminish the power of his promise. Right? And you know what? His, listen, we harp on it a lot because 
this is God's word. This is, I mean, it, there's power. There, there's life in there. There's so many promises in here for us, for you, for your life, for your situation. You hold on to those and never let go and believe, have hope that God is going to be right by your side the entire time, even when what you see isn't what he said. Even when you look around in the middle of the storm and things are getting crazy, God, this does not look like you're working on my behalf. God, this does not look like you are for me and not against me. But he's in the boat with you. Anyone ever feel like Jesus is just asleep on you? Jesus, where, where are you? But man, that cry for help. God's ear is tuned to that. So we're going to close with this statement. Sometimes it takes storms to stir our faith. Now, we don't like hearing that. It's hard to digest. We don't want to face storms, but it's the truth. Sometimes it takes storms to stir our faith. Again, as a dad, of course, I'm going to run in anytime I hear my kid cry, help. And earlier this year, beginning of the summer, I think, there were some pretty intense storms, thunder, lightning, the works. Y'all remember these? It was awesome. Okay, so not talking about spiritual storms and, and life storms. Let's just, for a moment, how many of you guys actually enjoy storms, like real rain and all? I love them, man. Yeah, see, you're my people. That's awesome. First service, not so much. Everyone's like, I hate storms. But I love storms. I love hearing the rain and the feeling the thunder and everything, but this particular storm this night, it, it was, it was kind of scary, to be honest, but it was awesome, you know? I mean, the boys were asleep, and I looked at Brooke, and I was like, hey, this is kind of romantic, you know? That's... And then I hear, Dad, help! Well, there goes that. But, but no, for real. The thunder was so heavy that, it, like, our insides were shaking. The lightning was like a strobe light out every window. The wind was literally howling. I've never experienced that before then. Like, we could hear it howling outside. It was intense. And I run in there, and I see my son's face. And he's terrified. His big three-year-old eyes are just like, you know, help. Like, I mean, he, he meant that. Like, when he cried for help, it was legitimate. He was fearful. He was scared of what was happening. So it was past his bedtime, but I scoop him up, and we go to the couch, and we all cuddle up, wrap my arms around him. And I look at his face, and it's no longer terror and fear. But it was kind of like a nervous excitement because he's with Dad now. So that, it didn't change how he felt about the storm. He still didn't like it. It was still pretty scary. But he was with Dad. And when you're three years old, dads can punch storms in the face. You know? He was with Dad. He felt safe. So when I looked at his face, I see this nervous excitement. So what may have freaked him out first, the thunder roaring and the lightning flashing, now I was holding him and every time it happened, he'd look up at me and kind of kind of laugh like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could tell he was kind of freaked out, but you know, we kind of just tried to laugh it. And isn't that awesome though? And that's such an amazing picture of Father God in the middle of a life storm. 
when things are getting crazy. I just want you to come to him. Get wrapped up in his arms and feel safe and feel at peace. It's not going to change how you feel about the storm, right? You're not going to like the storm. But you can definitely feel safe and secure in his arms. When your hope is anchored in him, you can know that he's in control even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when what you see isn't what he said. You can know. He's got it under control because he loves you. And here's the cool thing. It took that, that scary storm, the thing that initially freaked out my kid to then become a cool memory for us. Now every time there's a thunderstorm, he he knows what to do. He runs straight to me and jumps up in my lap. And it, it became this thing where now we look back on a storm Does he still, you know, hate storms? Yes. Does he like them? No. Do they scare him? Yes. But now he can look back and have a fond memory of, man, yeah, dad's got this. All I got to do is jump in his arms and everything's cool. I'm not saying that when life storms happen and when you go through stuff, that one day you're going to look back and be like, well, that was actually really fun. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It is not easy things happen. And you know what? I've, I've seen some emails and I've read the prayer requests and we've taken the calls and some of you are going through craziness, dealing with heavy stuff. But we have hope. It's an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. You can trust that. Even when everything around you looks contrary to a hopeful situation. You know that you can have hope, and his name is Jesus. Amen? So let's close with this. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. A lot of times when we think of an anchor, we may think of a relationship. Friendship, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, they're my anchor. They're my rock. But you know what? We're all imperfect people. So that friendship or relationship that you have an anchor in, you know, people hurt people and things happen. And yes, we forgive and we love, but you can't be anchored in just that. Or maybe when you hear anchor, you think, you know, of your talent or your job or your education or whatever. But one way or another, if if that's your anchor, it will let you down. Eventually, it will let you down. Only Jesus can be the firm and secure anchor in our hearts and lives. Only Him. We can have all our hope and trust in Him. So two groups this this day as we wrap things up the first maybe you've been braving the storm and you realize Jesus isn't in your boat you've been facing it alone you've been trying to do it alone you know what you can have the best courage the greatest friends the most support 
But at the end of the day, if Jesus is not in your boat with you, it's impossible to face all the storms. So maybe right now you realize, you know what, there's a void in my heart, in my life. And you know that it can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you wandered off and you need to come back to him. If you're either of those two, two things, would you raise your hand, please? And let's just, let's get right. Let's pray today. Anyone in this place? Awesome. So for all of us, you believe in Jesus. You know Jesus. You've not lost faith, but you're beginning to lose hope. You're in the middle of a storm. You feel like he's asleep. And you just need to know, before you leave today, you need to know that he's with you. You need to know that he's right by your side. And you just need the Holy Spirit to remind you. You need to experience that today. So I'm going to say a prayer that will close us out. And What I hope is that wherever you're at, maybe the storm you're facing is turmoil in your house or a troubled relationship or a bad report from the doctor, a disease, or an ailment of you or a loved one. Maybe you're dealing with loss. Whatever it may be, we serve a God that is so much bigger than all of that, and He wants to wrap His arms around you and give you peace in the middle of the storm. So wherever you're at, I'm going to lead a prayer, but I would hope that you would just open up your heart and say your prayer. Lift that need up to God. He wants to hear from you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that we can have hope. That we can trust you. That even when we look around and all we see is chaos, even when we look around and we're in the middle of the storm, God, we know that we can trust you. So Lord, would you remind us of that today? God, would you just move in our hearts today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may your word encourage us and give us the strength we need to hold on. And Lord, we believe that you are well able to come in and speak peace and calm over the storm. So God, if that is your will, would you do that, Lord? Would you bring peace and calm in the middle of these storms that we're facing? But Lord, regardless of what happens, remind us that you are with us. You are in the boat with us. Why should we be afraid? We have hope in you. We trust you. And we love you so much. In your strong name, amen.